0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today.
1: Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of the Genesis, chapter 3. Starting in January, we begin a series of messages on suffering, why the Lord allows suffering to come into our lives and how we are to deal with suffering when it comes. Past four weeks, we kind of digressed a little bit from that series and just began to look at the church and encourage you to get more involved in church ministry. Last week, obviously, we didn't have church. So this is the final message, message number 18. I've been counting in our series on suffering. So we're going to end that series here this morning by looking at sin and how sin will produce great suffering in our lives. Taken from Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know, in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave it also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they hid, excuse me, and when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves among the presence, from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him where art thou and he said I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and he said who told thee that thou wast naked hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat and the man said the woman whom thou gavest to uh, to be with me she gave me of the tree and I did eat and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above all the beasts of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam... He said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, from dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim AND WITH A FLAMING SWORD, WHICH TURNED EVERY WAY TO KEEP THE WAY OF THE TREE OF LIFE. Heavenly Father, I PRAY YOU WOULD BLESS THE the PREACHING OF YOUR WORD. WE'VE NOW READ THIS CHAPTER, AND FATHER, AS WE SEEK TO DELVE INTO SIN AND SIN'S CONSEQUENCE AND HOW SIN BRINGS GREAT SUFFERING INTO OUR LIVES AND INTO THIS WORLD. Father, would you give us an understanding of how important it is for us to resist temptation and to flee youthful lust. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sin produces great suffering. There really is no question about that as you look into the word of God and as you look into our own personal lives and as you observe others sin brings great consequence. Christians, however, I believe we tend to categorize sin. We see some sins as very small and very insignificant and actually there's been a book that's been written called Respectable Sins. And so we categorize sin, and we, we put some sin into that category, and, and then we put other sins into this other category that are just, they're huge, they're, they're far-reaching and cause tremendous damage in our lives. And and yes, we avoid that area, but we kind of embrace this area. But what does the Bible say about sin? James chapter 2 and verse, verse 10 says this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one little insignificant point is what, church? I can't hear you. What? Is guilty of all. So God does not take sin and put it into the same category as we do. I think something very important for us to understand here this morning is in reality no sin is committed in isolation. Bible says, no man lives unto himself, no man dies unto himself. Each act of disobedience, each act of sin, affects not only the sinner. When I sin, not only does it affect me, but it affects others also. Remember the words of Paul, a little leaven, what? Leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin in my life, tolerated and excused, will also affect the lives of others, especially those who are the closest to us. The effects of sin will be felt in the present, but they'll also be felt far out into the future. Be sure, be sure your sin will what? Be sure about that. Not only in the present, but on into the future. Now stop and think about this with me for a moment. As I was meditating on Genesis chapter 3 because that's the beginning of sin and the consequence of sin and the ramifications of sin and how it's affected the whole world. But think about this with me for just a minute. If you were to separate Adam and Eve from the context of chapter 3, what they did was really not that big of a deal, was it? Hello? I mean, just taking a bite of fruit from a tree that had a sign on it, do not eat? Is that really, is that really that big of a deal when we remove them from the context? of Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. No, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But it was a really big deal with God. It was such a big deal that it brought sin and death and sorrow and suffering into the world. And it plunged all humanity into darkness. It was a big deal. Today people think, people think nothing about ignoring God's commands. No big deal. Many of us don't even know what His commands are. To what is sin? The Bible says sin is a transgression of the law. But how many of us even know the law of God? How many of us here today could even cite all 10 of the commandments? I believe that we do not see sin as God sees it. God has a totally different view of sin than than we have, And, and I want to say this, every sin we commit has a negative consequence. Now most people don't believe that. Most of us here in this room right now really do not believe that we believe that sin has benefit. We don't believe that every sin, that's why we put them into categories, we don't believe that every sin, even those little sins, just the bite of a piece of fruit. We really don't see sin as God sees it. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, every sin has a negative consequence attached to it. But many times we just believe the opposite. That's why we don't like to hear preaching about sin. It's not a popular subject. We'd we'd rather hear about grace, love, and forgiveness. Yes? than we would about sin. Often when faced with our sin we minimize it, we justify it, we excuse it, we blame others for it. Listen to me church, we really do not see sin as exceedingly sinful. We don't see it the way God sees it. Romans chapter 7, Paul said this, what shall we say then? Is the law the law of God? Is God's law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. Why are we in in such a yank to remove God's law from the classroom? Hello? Because we don't want to be confronted with our sin. Why do we want to remove it from the courthouse? Because we don't want to be confronted by our sin. Why do we want to remove it from government? Because we don't want to be confronted by our sin. Why are we removing it from the church? Because we do not want to be confronted with our sin. We would not even know what sin is unless God would have given us his law. Wherefore, Paul says the law is holy and the commandment is holy. It is just. It is good. Was that which which is good made deaf unto me? God forbid! Listen, but sin that it might appear sin. Sin no longer appears sin to us. That's why we're in the condition that we're in, as a church, as a nation. Paul goes on that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Again, we minimize it, we justify it, we excuse it, we blame others for it, but we do not see sin as exceedingly sinful. If we did, we'd stop sinning. Making decisions. We make them every day. But making decisions without considering the consequences of those decisions are foolish and can be very dangerous. When we make a decision, we are going to disobey God, we're going to violate His commandment, we're going to transgress the law because we see benefit to us personally. By doing so, I'm here to tell you that is very, very dangerous. And yet people make those kind of decisions day in and day out, several times a day. To him that knoweth to do good, to him it is what? Many times, many times we end up regretting the choices that we've made, yes or no? many times we realize it's too late. I made the decision, it's irrevocable, the consequences have come and now I have to live with it. I want to tell you this, you know why God hates sin so much? Do You know why? Because He loves us so much and He knows the negative consequences that sin has. Think of all the hopes and dreams of people that have been shattered because they disobeyed God and now having to live with the consequences of their decision, no turning back. Forgiveness, grace, but consequences. Let me give you an example of this, David when he should have been out leading his army into battle. One evening he could not sleep. He's troubled, maybe he's troubled over the fact he's not where he should have been. He's up walking around his rooftop, he looks down. What does he see? He sees Bathsheba. Taking a bath, very, being very inappropriate. No one's around. No one's going to know. He lusts after her, he takes her, he commits adultery with her. No big deal, right? But what happened? She gets pregnant. He has her husband killed. The baby dies. As a result of his sin, his daughter Tamar is raped by her brother Amnon. Absalom, one of his sons, kills Amnon, his brother, and leads a rebellion against his father. And as Nathan the prophet said, the sword shall not depart out of thy house because of what thou hast done. I'm here to tell you, if David would have known all the consequences That he would have experienced and his family would have experienced. He would have never have committed adultery with Bathsheba that night. Satan the great deceiver. No big deal. Just a bite of a piece of fruit and yet he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. Foolish decision that Adam and Eve made, yes or no? Because of their disobedience, pain, suffering, frustration, death enters into the world. The world is now affected by the curse of sin and all people born after Adam are born with a sin nature that alienates man from God. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. One of the first facts that we take from Genesis chapter 3 is that this rebellion against God, listen to me, it plunged humanity into a terrible condition. And we're still suffering from that condition today. All civilization is now, is now plagued by the ramifications of sin. Stop and think about it. How many people do we have in the world today? Does anyone know? about 8 billion people. So what do we have in the world? We have 8 billion people sinning every single day. The Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. No wonder the world is in the condition that it's in. We're just talking about those who exist right now, not all those who have existed since the time of Adam. we're a mess. You know why we're a mess? Because of S-I-N, sin. The whole world lieth in wickedness. Who is the God of this world? Who is the spirit and the power of the air? Who is the one that now worketh in the children of disobedience? Listen to me, church. This is a very, 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 very becoming more so every day sinful world in which we live. No wonder the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. These things have I spoken to you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God's. For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and keep himself unspotted from the world. Wherefore, are given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. We live in a very wicked world that lies in the control of the the wicked one. Let me tell you something. We have to keep ourselves unspotted from this world. And the only way that we're going to do that is to see the suffering that sin brings into our lives when we embrace it sin robs us of God's very best for our lives. I'm going to say it again, the reason God hates sin as much as he does is because he loves us as much as he does. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Listen. God loves me. God loves you. He does not want you to be deceived by sin and temptation and give into it and suffer the consequences that that will bring into your life. Do we got that, church? And so he gives warning after warning after warning after warning. Let me tell you something. Any parent that loves their children will give their children the same warning. Any preacher that loves his people will give his people the same warning about sin. But seek ye first the what? And all of these things shall be. Does not God want to bless us? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Why does God hate sin so much? Because He loves you and I so much. Praise God for the gospel. Matt talked about the gospel this morning in our Sunday school class. But listen, the gospel is the only real hope for sinners in a sinful world. That's it. That's why Paul called it the hope of the gospel. It's it's the message of grace and forgiveness for sinners. That's the gospel. For by grace are ye what? Saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The song, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than what? All of our sin." I think all of us would rather focus on grace, we'd rather focus on forgiveness than the effects of sin. I hate preaching on sin. I, 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 I don't like preaching on the consequences of sin. I'd much rather focus on the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God, but sometimes we just have to pause and see how exceedingly sinful sin is so we can appreciate the great salvation that the Lord has given to us. How shall they escape if they neglect so great a salvation? Pain, suffering, frustration are almost always a result of sin that we commit in our lives. You know the verse, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You know do you know how hard it is as a preacher to convince you my people of that truth especially our younger people. Those of you who have lived as long as I live you believe that verse. You know why? Because you've you've seen it ring true in your life and in the lives of many others. But our young people, I'm telling you, our young people, our young people, our young people are so susceptible to Satan's lying. Sin won't bring suffering. It's more beneficial to sin than it is to resist temptation. I know the preacher said, whatsoever man is that shall he also reap. But that's the other guy. That's not me. There are so many examples of this truth throughout Scripture. But sin really has a way of messing up people's lives. Obey God, reap the benefits. Disobey God, suffer the consequences. You know, as I was just spending time going over Genesis chapter 3 and just thinking about the suffering that sin brought into the life of Adam and Eve and their children and their children's children and children's children right up to the present time. You know what I saw was conflict. Sin always brings conflict. This is so interesting to me. Our actions have consequences and our sin causes conflict. I believe this is the message that we find here in the book of Genesis. Think of the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. It put them in conflict with nature, put them in conflict with nature. Here they were in this absolutely beautiful, perfect garden that was full of nothing but joy and peace and love and happiness. And everyone, one, every one of Adam and Eve's needs were met in this perfect place, this perfect environment where there was no conflict, there was no suffering. And then sin entered into the world. And all of a sudden now Adam is in conflict with nature and because of his sin the ground becomes cursed. And now by the sweat of his brow he will try to control the earth and he'll try to plant crops. But the ground will bring forth thorns and thistles. And he now will become absolutely exhausted in his work of trying to meet his physical needs. Wow, how things changed. Conflict in nature. Have you ever noticed you don't have to plant weeds? How many have noticed that? no longer would he experience the productivity that the garden of Eden offered him, but he would toil, he would contend with the ground that now is cursed. It didn't used to be that way before sin. Think of Eve and the suffering that she went through. He said, I will greatly multiply her pain and childbearing. And all the women said, amen to that. Think of that. Now Eve is in conflict with nature. There there was no pain in childbearing prior to sin entering into the world. No thorns, no thistles, no pain, no suffering, none of that. The entire natural order that was once perfect had changed after they sinned it was no longer like it used to be. So now they are in conflict with nature. The second thing I noticed, now they're in conflict with each other. Can you imagine what it must have been like before the fall, before they disobeyed God? But after eating of the tree, Adam and Eve's eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Something happened that had never happened before. They now saw each other in a totally different way. They attempted to cover their nakedness with fig leaves in a futile attempt. They're hiding out among the trees of the garden until God cornered them and said, Adam, what have you done? What did Adam say? The woman! He gave it to me. They never had that conflict prior to that. God says to Eve, what have you done? The serpent. Their relationship would never be the same. The relationship of husband and wife is now marred because of sin. Could you imagine... Men always getting along with your wife and never, ever, ever having an argument? Would not that be paradise? That's how it used to be. They're in conflict with nature, nature's changed, their relationship with each other's now changed. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He never had to rule over her before. You know, as I thought about that, I thought about all the divorce that's going on in the world today. You know why couples divorce? S-I-N. goes all the way back to Moses and having to write a bill of divorcement because of the hardness of their heart. And when the Pharisees were looking for an excuse to divorce their wives, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have you not read? Do you not read the Bible? That he which made them in the beginning, before the fall, Made them in the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to the wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God hath put together, let no man put asunder. And they say, Then why did Moses command to give a writing to divorcement and put her away? And he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. He suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. There was no divorce until sin entered into this world. Conflict. Conflict with nature. Now conflict between husband and wife. It also put them in conflict with God Himself. before their sin, they loved the Lord. They walked with God. They fellowshiped with God in the cool of the garden. They looked forward to those daily times with God. But now what are they doing, church? They're hiding from God. They're now afraid of God. They're now separating themselves from God. Why? Because there's now conflict. One bite of the forbidden fruit ruined everything, especially their relationship with their creator, separated from God spiritually, separated from God physically, driven out of the perfect garden of Eden into a cursed environment. They're in conflict with nature. They're in conflict with each other. They're in conflict with God. Their children are in conflict with each other. You ever notice how sin just kind of spreads? It spreads throughout a family. Adam and Eve's sin was passed on to their children. The Bible said the sins of the fathers are passed unto the children, and as a mother is, so is her daughter. Sin is never an isolated event. The consequences can extend and touch others, especially our family members. You, you think of where we're at today. Our families are absolutely in chaos today. We have domestic violence, we have child abuse, we have spousal abuse, we have sexual abuse, we have drug abuse, we have hatred and rebellion and the list could go on and on. A man foes will be, though, will be they of his own household. It wasn't that way before sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and? Cain was a farmer, Abel was a herdsman. God had made it very clear that the only way now that sinned into the world that God could be approached was through a sacrifice. The innocent had to die for the guilty. And God had made the first sacrifice And then he had taken that lamb and skinned that lamb. And he had covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve with that lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Cain and Abel knew that. And yet Cain, instead of maybe making an exchange of some of his fruit to his brother Abel for a lamb, offered his fruit unto the the bloodless sacrifice unto the Lord and the Lord rejected it. He became angry and he slew his brother Abel. Sin is progressive. We talk about the progressives today. Sin is progressive. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God could not be tempted with evil, neither tempteth any man. But every man is tempted, listen to me, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin when it is finished, bringeth forth sin is progressive, sin when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death, do not err, my beloved brethren. First, Eve sinned by taking of the fruit. Second, Adam sinned by eating the fruit offered to him by Eve. Third, their sin spread through their family. The wages of sin is what? I want to kind of leave you with this thought. We never know where the consequences of sin will lead us. Do you think Adam and Eve ever thought that if I take this, the bite of this fruit that it's going to separate me from God? It's going to throw all nature into confusion. I will work by the sweat of my brow, my wife will have pain in childbearing, and we're going to bury one of our sons and be separated from the other. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Adam and Eve's disobedience cost them their future. Conflict in nature, conflict with each other, conflict with God, conflict in the family. Now it cost them their future and they are driven from the Garden of Eden. And yet God is a God of mercy, he's a God of grace, and he sacrificed a lamb to cover their sinful nakedness. You know, I'm thankful we're not under the old sacrificial system where our sin is covered. When you trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven you for
0: his name's sake.